And hello, movie lovers. And tonight I actually have Abby, Lady of Motor City Nerds, with me. And I am House of MLU. And we're actually going to be doing our Game of Thrones House of the Dragon spoiler review for episode one, Heir to the Throne. So with further ado, let's go on ahead. Hey, Abby, how are you doing? I've been better, but I'm better now that we're going to be talking about House of the Dragon. I know. I've been wanting to do a Game of Thrones after show for a long-ass time. It's a privilege to have you on the show talking about House of the Dragon. And, of course, this is actually said 172 years before the death of the Mad King, Ares, and the birth of his daughter, Princess uh, Daenerys uh, Targaryen. So, this yeah. is actually something that... I'm that I was actually interested in because I remember reading the synopsis of it whenever they were first starting out with this, right? And I was like, okay, this is going to be about the Iron Throne in itself, about the how it fell, and this is kind of like the prequel to the Hobbit in a sense about how everything is set up. Yeah. Because now, when this was first announced, okay, I, I, I grabbed this just in case. Don't don't worry, I'm not going to get too much in detail, but it is off of. Fire and Blood, which is right. Targaryen history. Now, I originally thought when they first announced it, it was going to be about the first Targaryen, Aegon the Conqueror. And then when they went with this civil war that goes on, I was like, oh, this this is a this is either gonna be a really good place to start or really a bad place to start. But either way, I'm pumped. And I was right. like, oh, okay, let's let's do this. I'm I'm really excited to see where they go with it. I am too as well, to be honest with you, because I wasn't sure how they were gonna do, especially coming off of how Game of Thrones ended. I'm like, do I? Re am I really excited to see a Game of Thrones spinoff show, or am I not? And so now, going into it, I'm actually pumped. It's great to actually re go back into the places that we actually know about King's Landing, the era of Targaryens, and stuff like that. And you know, I like how the theme song is actually being played out a little bit differently than what we have in the couple of seasons that we had before. But now it's like, okay, we got to go on ahead and put out our theme song. And I love how they're doing it throughout the whole entire sh first episode. So I definitely like that. I was but, really worried yeah. about how they were going to use the music because I was like, if you use it too much, it could come off not right, almost like just like we didn't want to do it. But the but I I love Raman Jawadi. He's one of my favorite composers, and I think the way that they're using it and using Daenerys's themed music mixed together with a new way they're doing it is done very very well. It's really very like settled, it. to be honest with you. It's not in your face or anything like that. It's allow us to know that this is a different show than what we got with Game of Thrones, which is something I appreciate. Is that with that, but. I, I just want to say this, when when it first opens up, it kind of has that Lord of the Rings kind of feel to it, where they're actually giving us the story of, like, you know how in Lord of the Rings they gave us the story of the rings and stuff like that? Yes. And now they're giving us detail within this universe, and I love it. I love the setup with it, the dragons, it starts off with the dragon flying and things like that. I love it. I was eating this up at the very first episode, and then you actually see the only th thing to tear down the house of the dragon is themselves because they're their own worst enemy, even his own even the king's uh heir to the throne even said it he goes i have to protect you from your own self because of the fact that you don't because you're weak yeah. and that and they're trying to cover it up like oh no he's not weak everything is fine here but yeah, yeah. 
the smartest thing George R. R. Martin ever did was the way he writes Fire and Blood, the way he writes his other books are subjective. So every, believe me, there's going to, the, the fandom's always like, I feel this way about this character. I feel that because it's, it's history is wrote by the winner. So a lot of these characters that they have, I feel one way about, but another person in the fandom might go, no, I look at them a whole different way. And so there's a lot of different things they can do here. But I always thought, and I, I like that this is coming across, that King Viserys is a goober who trusts way too many people around him. And it's like Damon, his brother, might not be the greatest guy. He's almost like Braun from Game of Thrones. Right. Like Braun would have been born into a royal family. And he's just like, so there, he does have bad qualities, but he does have good qualities too. But he knows my brother is trusting the wrong people and it's not good. This isn't good. Right. Because he even says it to himself. They're benefiting off of him versus getting the advice that, they, that he actually needs and stuff like that because of the stuff that he's his own worst enemy. And then, right. then of course, it's like, okay, what the hell do we do in this situation, right? Where, you know, we just lost uh, our strongest people and now we have to find an heir to the throne. Right. And now, so when you were talking about the the setup in the beginning, I love because the, the woman doing the voiceover in the beginning is Rainey's, the queen who never was, uh, the black character's wife. Now the exact same thing happened to her. And I like the way they quickly went through the council of 101 because that can be super boring if you don't know it. It's like, no, that is super boring. But they did a very good job going, here we go. But I love that they had her do it because it's like she could have done the same exact thing that's about to go down because she had a right to the throne. And then she was like, I'm not going to, I couldn't kick up a bunch of problems, but she didn't. And so it's like, this is almost like her own fight too of going, you wouldn't let me do it, but now we have this issue going on. So I like that they let her do the voiceover. I thought that was really cool. I do too. I thought that was actually really neat to have a woman of power explaining through her eyes and then through her lenses of what she's going through versus it being through the eyes and lenses of a man or anything like that too, because we've seen that before. So this is a new way of doing storytelling, which is something I do appreciate. It's like, okay, you know what? You guys want to go ahead and do your thing. I'm going to let you guys go on ahead. I'm going to stand on the sidelines and let you guys take each other out. And then while you guys take each other out, I'm going to go on ahead and do what I need to do. So that's something that's like very mafioso kind of thing to do in a sense is letting the other dogs, the alpha males take each other out because we're high strong and we don't think women think with logic. We don't. So in some situations, so, so I feel like, you know, this is a way of saying, okay, I'm just going to go and let them go on ahead and I'll get whatever that's left over. And then I'll take over from there. That's what I got out of that. And not only that, I love that. I know her and her husband's relationship is one of the only in Westerosi history that is like documented to be like a healthy, normal relationship. But not just that. I feel like these actors have such good chemistry on screen, but even just them looking at each other when situations are going down, they know, like she knows she's like, let them, let them, let them act dumb. Right. Next stupid. Okay, go ahead. And I, I really like what they're doing with her character. And I just want to comment really quick. This is beautiful. Like just outside of it, out of everything, if it had no sound, no nothing, you didn't know what it was, you'd be going, the detail in this is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Everything about it is gorgeous. It's so pretty. I can't- It's very cinematic. Oh, for sure. It's beautifully done. And another thing I want to bring up too is this, the medieval stuff did not feel like medieval times. It did not feel like I was sitting there with Jim Carrey and Matthew Broderick from The Cable Guy watching a medieval times kind of thing to it. This is the brutality of what it actually is. Don't get me wrong. We had Night's Tale. We had other stuff. But it doesn't, it's just pretty much sugarcoats what it is to be in the jousting what it's like to be in this kind of period and how violent it actually is. I feel like they actually got that. They got that within the storytelling. The cinematography was really good with it. The stunt work was fantastic. I really loved what they did here. 
and the stunt people, especially the part where the you know how they always have like that one medi- medieval weapon with the spikes on it, and then oh. they hit someone across the face. I'm like, oh my god, I felt that. Oh yeah, and I'll give you a little. I don't want to give too much away from like what's about to happen, but the main character who uses a morning star. That's his main go-to weapon, and he's bad with it. And I'm real excited to see more with that. I'm like, that's gonna be that's gonna that be excites cool. me a lot more, to be honest with you. Oh, it's oh, that's his main go-to weapon, and I think he might be one of the only ones in the series that uses a weapon consistently like that. So get ready for some really cool fights with that. But I also want to go off of the other thing you mentioned about the husband and wife, how they're sitting down there watching the this fight go down while the heir to the throne, which is happens to be the son that's being born, and he goes, and then like, isn't this a little grotesque for us to watch this go on? as there's someone being born it's kind of like a light into this darkness that they're watching hoping to me this is like a scent of hope for them so therefore yeah we're watching something grotesque but at the same time you're having life being born at this dark moment of this entertainment with these games that's being taken place i really like the way they did now i don't know if they i i I don't know but this is kind of how i took it especially with the title of the episode with them it's very similar to how ned and then we're going to do the hands tourney about season one of game of thrones but with this it was the heir's tourney okay well this heir is being born not only is that heir being born but the one who's heir daemon targaryen gets unhorsed and falls and so it's like the fall of house targaryen all in one thing showing in one tournament and i'm like oh i'm i see what you're doing here and i really like a lot and that's that's good writing that and it's like maybe they mm-hmm. maybe i'm looking too far into it but i was like oh i see what you're doing this air is falling this air is being born but doesn't make it and now here we go and we have a whole new right. air by the end of the episode right and i liked how they do that though i mean aside from the light and darkness part that i was mentioning i do oh. like how the air falls and then you have this new air that they're hoping that this air is actually good but you know, it's like, okay, even inside the meetings, I like how the meetings are actually being taken place because now we actually see how the higher-ups actually operate because before, there was no one really in charge of anything. This was just like a doom and gloom kind of place that Daenerys actually had inherited in a sense between yeah. her and her brother. And so, you know, now we actually get to see it active. We actually get to see people within this kingdom and how they operate and do things, which I find really fascinating. That but, was one of the things I was most excited about because I, I was saying, I go, when you watch Game of Thrones, or whatever or read it even it's we get those slice of life stuff with the Starks we get we get to see in all of these houses who's there for power who actually loves you who cares about each other who who does whatever we never got to see that with the Targaryens because there's only a couple running around so now we actually get to see a family and who actually cares who actually just wants power who's friends with who like we actually get to see that with this family and I'm I'm super excited to see that on screen same here as well and you know, then it's like the council is like, well, what the hell do we do? We have the air that fell down. We have, and then there's also this other thing. Do we take a chance on a woman being on the throne, which has been against our rules since the very beginning? Or do we take our chances with your brother, who is a loose cannon, who doesn't listen, who sleeps in a brothel and tells everybody at the brothel of his rise versus him? just staying quiet and allowing the system to work. See, that's interesting because I didn't take it that way. I took it that they took his words out of context. And it's like, I don't think it, I think that it was more like, okay, I think that him and the one prostitute that he's tight with, I think she was more like, hey, speak, start speaking. And then it kind of got out, but it was like, I don't think he was really selling. I think he definitely was like, yeah, I'm still in, in line here. I definitely right. think that was part of it. 
but I do think that they wanted it to get back to the king of like, he was talking way more smack than he really was. And it's a, it's a complicated thing. And I love that because Damon is the one who created the gold cloaks and he's always hanging Mm -hmm. out with the common folk and they don't like that. And that's why the common folk love him so much because he's always in bars and talking to them and with them and they're afraid of that the high that's why he makes a comment to the to the hand and he's like if you ever left the red keep maybe you'd know and i'm not saying damon's the greatest Mm. but it's like he's got my wheels turning right now yeah he has their ear unlike the high the more the other highborns do and what's like i don't know i don't think that i i hate the high towers so i'm biased i'm gonna put that right out there i'm yeah but no yeah they don't like that they don't like that damon has this close-knit relationship with whores and and bar keeps and stuff and he can walk he can walk down the street and people won't want to kill him not everybody who's highborn can do that well the thing that i like about this is because now the higher-ups actually want them to go out in the public out in the open to make people vote basically right so you know, he's going to get the majority of the votes because of the fact of the matter is he's out there with them, out there talking to them, talking to the people. And that's what they're looking for. They're looking for someone to be real with them versus someone just sitting out in the tower who has no experience of how to talk to regular everyday people. All they know how to do is talk to the higher ups, the council around them and other kingdoms. That's all they know. They don't know how to talk to regular or common people. And I think that's where he shines in versus having, uh, you know, the daughter to the ear to the throne. And that's exactly which is, uh, Brianna, Brianna. I really like that they, uh, like, even when he shows up at the tournament, first off, when he came out and stared everybody down, that was so sweet. And when he just went through the line and was staring everybody like, yeah, okay. But that's why the the crowd gets so crazy and why they get so upset when he falls because they're like, no, we, he's, that's why they call him Prince of the City because everybody's like, we like him. And it's like, they might not know the cruelty part, but they they know that he's around and he actually talks to them. And that's a big deal for the Targaryens to do that because not not everybody did that. Exactly. Because if it was just like an everyday, it's like having an everyday person at your house to visit you and it feels real to them and they only sing what they see. And then of course, whenever the lights go out, that's whenever you, that's who they really are. They unmask who they actually are. But, right. you know, I definitely like that because that gives him more power to actually own the fact that, hey, look, I have the right to this throne versus somebody else. And also, too, the way he listens in on the conversation is like, okay. See, and now, this I, also, I don't want to get too. Yeah. I don't want to get too. I don't want to get too caught up in like book stuff. But when they compare him to Magor the Cruel, Magor the Cruel is the one who created the Red Keep, and he's the one who made all the secret hallways, and then killed everybody who worked on it. Then they compare Damon to Magor the Cruel, and he's hiding in the walls listening in like i was like oh i see what you're doing there i was like you are comparing him to this guy and he's using exactly what magor created in the red key to listen in on this meeting book fans which i really appreciated most definitely i definitely like how they did that but yeah i haven't read this book or anything like that so i'm glad to have you on here so that way i know what is what so that way i'm not getting anything crossed up but from this show from this standpoint right now just getting a little bit of the taste of what House of the Dragon is giving us. They gave us so much within an hour and some more minutes of the show of oh, yeah. set up and build. 
Because this is, I could see the brother uh, to the throne, well, the brother, basically uh, casting vengeance on his brother for not letting him inherit the throne. So that's where it's going to be this beef war between the two of them, the split. My thing is, I didn't know where they were going to take the um, the girl who is essentially the, the daughter of the, the brown-haired girl who's friends with Rhaenyra. Yeah, Allison. She's eventually going to marry the king, and her dad is hand of the king. And I didn't know where they were going to take that because, because like I said, the way they wrote is subjective. I always took it like she was more of a Marjorie Tyrell, and she mm-hmm. wanted the power. And in this, they're more of showing like your dad's a creep and pushing that on you. And so I'm really curious where they're going to go with that mm. part of it. But I did like how they were showing her and Rhaenyra were so close, and Rhaenyra almost insinuates like not only is there friendship here, but there might be like a romantic thing here. Which could also I can sense it. Which could also add to the strife that goes on later on in the conflict of like not only were we BFFs and this happens, but you knew there was more. I I cared about you more in a different way, and now this is and now this is happening with my dad. Like I I'm really curious where they're going to go with that, and I have like qualms with it from a book standpoint, but from a cinematic standpoint, I'm like, no, this is very makes sense. Yeah, it's super interesting. And I really like that a lot. I do too, because it makes sense because of the fact you have this friendship that's building and then something causes a ride to where now you're dealing with that drama surrounding everything. And also too, I did sense a little bit of Tyrell around that character, around Allison, even on, even though I haven't read the book or anything with just the character and the way she moves and the way she talks, it reminds me so much of the Tyrells, to be honest with you. They are very Tyrell-ish and they're very similar now the high towers. Here's the thing to break it down real, real fast. Um, the citadel where the maesters are from. Now notice yeah. that there's a lot of maesters doing a lot of sneaky stuff around here. Um, the maesters where they learn is in Old Town. The high towers right. run Old Town, so there's a very close connection between the maesters, the high towers, and they're real tight. So it's like, did this baby? being born kill her or did the maesters have something to do with that okay just so you guys know there's a lot of maesters connected to the high towers and the maesters are always up to something though you cannot really trust the maesters at all because they have their own reasons behind their own political agenda yep and who funds them the high towers right so it's like just just to throw that in the into the mix where it's like and we have this sneaky rat hand of the king doing sneaky rat stuff obviously so it's like right. I, I i'm i'm pleasantly surprised with how they're handling things i am too and also too this is another thing i wanted to bring up though with the maesters i wouldn't be surprised if they're the ones who was actually starting that rash on the king to make him show the fact that he's showing some type of uh weakness so the way they can because here's the thing I'm don't, I don't trust the Maesters for any reason at all. I have a whole Especially video. how they're all looking at each other and like, what do we do about this situation? There, he has a rash. What do we do? Oh, I know what we'll do. We'll get this remedy right here. So it happens to be, they know the remedy, but they're not going to tell him what the remedy is. It could be good. It could be bad. But they know that is, I'm thinking that they're going to try and kill him, which yeah. is not a surprise. Now, I always... This is how I, uh, whenever I talk about maesters being sneaky rats, I was like, anybody that knows how to heal you knows how to kill you. So look out. It's a very common thing. Like George R. R. Martin likes to write in Serp, and I'm not hating on it. He does it in a very good way, but there's a lot of things that can be, I always explain it like this, the Dance of Dragons, which is the conflict that's going to happen in the show. Remember when Cersei goes and rips up the paper and says, it don't matter. Robert's dead. 
that's essentially what's going to go down is she goes, well, he's dead. What are you going to do about it? Like, I'm going to put my son on the throne. Nobody's going to stop me. And it causes a huge problem. But um, the maesters have a huge part that 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 have to do with all of that. And I there's a lot of things that happened with other kings. And they say that the Iron Throne, it's always like a mystery because it's like myths. But the Iron Throne will kill you if you're not worthy of. And a couple times they found rulers dead on the Iron Throne. And it's like, of course, if you really look into it, it's like, oh, did somebody just shove you or did that? But whatever. And so it's like, I liked when they showed him gripping onto the Iron Throne and he had a cut. And then he says something along the line. He's like, I just got it sitting on the throne. I'm fine. This, that, and the right. other thing. But then it's like, like you said, or, so I was thinking maybe is the Iron Throne saying you are not worthy, quote unquote, mm-hmm. or are the maesters adding to that problem? Or is it both? And like I said, of course, the Iron Throne isn't well, killing people, but it's just like a superstition type deal. And I'm like, okay, oh, I, I want to play, I want to do this with you. Okay. So what if, for instance, it's not the throne, it's actually the maesters that's doing something to the throne to make exactly. it look like it's a legend. So that's what I'm thinking. But here's the thing. I love the, the actor that's playing the king because of the fact that whenever his brother comes in, Damon comes in and questions his own authority and you can see he's uncomfortable. You can actually see the way he's sitting and how the how the actor's playing that off like he really does have something that's going on with him but he's trying to play it off like this unsettledness about him so i definitely like how he's playing off the narrative of that and how great that actor is and even though he's uh his own brother's questioning his own authority he knows he's right but at the but also too he doesn't want to show that he's weak either so i like that. especially comparing to and now this is my favorite scene in the entire episode compared to how damon was sitting on the throne when rainera walks in yeah Rhaena- yeah super comfortable there and the king's guard's like oh my god and then she's like no it's fine and the way they are the way they use valyrian speech is so smart and so well done and if you notice like only only damon and her do that and then when he gives her the necklace he says a part of our heritage I'm, I'm wondering if maybe only those two really speak valyrian that much but it's almost when they, I, i'm wondering if like at the funeral when they do it again i'm like can other people not understand you but do all hmm. the Targaryens learn it or did you two just do that because you guys are so you you think keeping your heritage is so important and i really like hmm. that comparison of Damon sitting on the Iron Throne and his brother, you're right. It's like, but one was very comfortable and isn't supposed to be there, and one is supposed to be there, and he's not very comfortable. Now, was it from your illness, or is that because you're not comfortable ruling? But, you know, going back off that whole entire thing about the heritage with uh, with uh, Bernera, I believe that's how you say your name? Rhaenyra? Rhaenyra, yeah, thank you. Um, But going off of that, and then them speaking their own language, because how many of us actually have our own language when we talk to our own friends or own family members so we have our own language our own way we won't talk to somebody the same way we talk to a family member so when we're with that one person we'll talk a certain way so i wouldn't be surprised at a young age they kept their heritage and made a promise to themselves to keep the heritage alive and keep their dialect the same and, so, and it feels like they're the only two shown with their dragons so far so you're right. the only two shown with your dragons you're the only two speaking high valyrian and i really like you know that. who they are they're it, not trying to misconcept anything it feels like the brother that's on the throne has forgotten who he is and where he comes from and doesn't show dominance over his own kingdom or his own people even for that matter the, the maesters who takes care of him either he's just letting them run amok basically and like you know what you know whatever you guys want to do that's fine but i don't care but as soon as his brother winds up going into a brothel oh no can't have that now there's just too much celebration going on whenever there was an heir that was uh that happened to die right but, right and even with um when there 
there's little things that I thought were really interesting too. Like when he's telling his wife and I thought the wife did a very, the queen who passes away, she was doing great. And I like that they didn't shy away from, this is a very, like if you're going to show me boobs and sex and stuff, don't shy away from childbirth is rough, uh, mm -hmm. rough. And it can be pretty bad, especially back then. And it still can be. And I like that they didn't shy away from, this is, this is bad. Like this is hard. I liked that, but how they, they made a comment of, uh, he's like, I had a dream and he's talking to her when she's in the tub and he goes, and I heard the bells ring. Now, if you remember what Varys says in Game of Thrones, he's like, the bells always mean something bad. Uh, a wedding, a death, a this, a that. And they're like, and he kind of makes a joke to Tyrion, but also when Daenerys sacks King's Landing and they're like, please ring the bells. That means it's over. And she's like, it's not over. And so it's like the bells don't really mean something good, but we keep thinking they do. So I was like, oh, I like these little things you're putting in there. But I thought that she did a really, really good job of making us feel for her. And I did like that they didn't shy away from that. I really appreciated that. And I just wanted to stick yeah. that in there real quick. I'm glad they actually showed the pain of child la labor within this time period too, to show how rough it actually is. Then the reminiscing of the bills and stuff is very reminiscent to the Game of Thrones uh, seasons that we got before this. So I definitely like how they're still putting that in as canon. So I definitely like it. I like that a lot. Oh, um, sure. But what else would you say that you liked about uh, this episode, though? Oh, there's, I mean, there's tons of things that I really, really liked about this about this episode. But I will say this. I was saying before it came out, it was uh, Corliss Valerian is like a cool version of Ned Stark, where Ned is so stoic and things like that. But he was the one going, Stannis is the heir then. Get over it. Like, we might not like him, but Stannis is the heir. Corliss is the one who's like, I always explain him as, a more swagger, cooler version of Ned Stark. And I think that he's going to be the heart of this show. I think he's going to be the one we're going to be like, no, he's right. And we really like him. And I like that in every council meeting, he was like, no, listen. And even when they bring up what, because your wife did whatever, he's like, yeah, I'm not going to back down from any of you because it's the right thing to do. And I really liked how they set up. I thought they did a really good job of showing exactly who each one of these characters are. We know who Corliss is down and how he will behave. We know how, but his wife is like, I've been, I've been running this game. I know what to do. And they make a really good power couple. I love that. they. We know exactly who Damon is uh, by the end of this episode. We know exactly how the king is. We know exactly who everybody is by the end of this episode, except for, because there's going to be a time jump, except for Rhaenyra and Allison who are going to get older. But everybody else, we know exactly who they are. Where they the stand. Right. Because even whenever we have uh, Raina and everything too, whenever she gets ground, and now everything is now in her hands and her possession. And it's about according to how she's going to, is she going to do good? Is she going to, what's going to happen? And of course you have uh, the brother, like I said, of the, who went out to him and stuff like that. But, you know, I think that this is a great setup. I think this is the perfect way to go about it as far as the first episode goes. I think this is actually a perfect episode. There's not really anything negative I could say about this episode at all, as far as the setup, the world building, and also too, okay, I remember watching the first season of Game of Thrones, right? And I remember, oh, we have House of Stark. We have this house. We have that house. I'm like, um, I have ADD people. Uh, can we just set up with two houses and be fine? Right. I had to go back and rewatch Game of Thrones again when I'm not too tired to actually understand the world build and the way they do things. So once I've watched it again for the second or third time, I understood what they were going for in the first season. Oh, going sure. into this one, to me, I think this one doesn't feel so convoluted to where it's overshadowed with several other characters. You can follow the characters and can know the characters right away 
from beat for beat of who they are and what we're going to be getting in the future as far as the episodes go. And there's like a couple things, like you said, like the, I thought this did a good job of going, okay, for people that it that might not be able to keep up with a billion different names, this did a really good job of setting up who are the major players and then everybody else who it's like, if you really want to get into it, you can. There's a lot there. Like, especially at the tournament when um one of the riders from House Baratheon, because the black guy's wife is, right. she's half Baratheon. So when her cousin comes up and it's like, let me have your favor, to me that said, I'm showing support for you and I always will. And it's like, okay, so what are you saying to the, all the Lord? And then it happened when Damon asks for the Hightower girl's favor. He's like saying to the hand of the king, yeah, screw you. I just took your daughter's favor. You know that I'm kind of trying to stick it to you. And then when the other guy who beats him goes up and is like, let me have Rhaenyra's favor. It's like this back and forth of we're saying something, but we're not saying something. And it's like those those little parts, if you really want to deep dive into it, you can. But when it comes to as a whole, it's like, no, we got the basic beats and we're good. And and you did a really great job of setting that up. And then it's like for the freaks like me, I can go <laughs> in and go, oh, I see what you're doing over there and I see what you're doing over here. And I, I can appreciate that stuff. And I, I, I really do think they did a great job. I'm just more concerned about where are we going to take these kids? characters when we do more than one season but that's for another conversation i'm so excited to recap this with you i really Me am too. but i'm well, trying to think of like are there any other huge things that i, really I think we loved and i'm like i think we covered it. the dragons look great the dragons look great for a tv series to be honest you with you armor? we have a dragon wearing full valerian armor i know that, I've ever seen. that was freaking awesome i'm not gonna lie that's uh, I'm a huge. Here's the thing. I love dragons. Dragons is my favorite fantasy creature. I actually oh, yeah. have a high school ring that had a dragon on one side and yin yang on the other. So, so you know, dragons is my my thing. I love dragons. Um, but I was geeking out the whole time. I was I was on the edge of my seat, eating, shoving popcorn in my face. I love the world build for this. This is something that I'm definitely excited to have Game of Thrones back in my life again. That I never knew I was going to be excited about. It's good to have a show to actually look forward to weekly now aside from you know she hulk and stuff like that but it's good to actually have something on a sunday night now yeah i feel excited about yep no i'm i agree with you a hundred percent and yeah like i said we can definitely I, there's things i could nitpick but i'm like no that's just my book reading but show wise no this did this was great and it was entertaining and it was fun and it was compelling and i really cared and you they made me they made me care about characters i didn't think i was going to care about and that speaks volumes that's awesome though so get this you're i would like to actually have you on here for next monday when we actually do our episode two so because i will yeah episode two eight o'clock central time nine o'clock eastern time so if you guys love house of dragon this is your place to be at house of mlu and house of motor city nerds here at movie lovers unite for everybody that's tuning in tonight, don't forget to smash that like button. Don't forget to hit that subscribe button. I thank everyone that tuned in tonight. And always until next time, guys, have a great and safe night. And always until next time, tomorrow morning, I'm dropping another little short film review at 9 o'clock uh, a.m. Central Time, 10 o'clock Eastern Time called The Movie Goer. So check that out. And always until next time, guys. Bye-bye. 